This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Ranger, that is! In the left field, hit number 3,000, a start! Smith courts one into right down the line, it may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! I pop off! The Cardinals won the pennant! The Cardinals won the pennant! The Cardinals won the pennant! Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Swing and a miss! The Cardinals are world champions for 2006. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team! What a ride! Hello, Cardinal fans. Welcome to the first edition of the spinoff from Two Birds on a Bat. This will be bow ties and sweaters where analytics meet the eye test, and it will feature some great uh, influencers, I like to call them, on the St. Louis social media scene when it comes to baseball. Uh, I've been excited about doing this. I've been talking about doing this for a while. This is just one of many things that we have planned uh, through the show, Two Birds on a Bat, and all the group over at Lineup Media. Uh, Lineup Media Group, of course, is the home of Yo Radio. Um, we're happy to do this. I think it's going to be great. I've talked to so many listeners and fans about the show. Uh, with the growth that we've had lately, it's been really driven by, obviously, everybody enjoys Benji Moline and his takes and his fandom and, you know, and, you know, really – Steve, I, Josh, <clears throat> we're just like you. We're just fans, just you know, having a good time with it. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, but what I found over the last couple of years of doing the show is that you know people are really into the different sides of baseball, and that's where the analytics met, meet the eye test came from. Is that people are really intrigued by the stats? They're intrigued by the numbers, um, and then you know that's kind of where Mo's algorithm kind of got started with our show. Um, I also understood that there was a newer generation of Cardinal fan out there, much younger than myself. Uh, there's lots of guys out there that, you know, they, they weren't around for the 80s and um, stuff like that. So they a lot of people only know what they've seen in the last 15 years, which has been a ton of success when it comes to the Cardinals. Um, so I was interested in getting some younger voices in here. Uh, Brendan Schaefer, I think, will bring that, and I'm excited to have him a part of the show. And then a guy that I was really intrigued by, um, Kyle Reese, that does Prospects After Dark. You know, I, I love people that are passionate about anything they do. I don't even care what it is. I may not even like it, but if you're passionate about what you do and you're having fun with it and you take the time to take it serious. But, man, he brings a total another element to this thing because with, b- prospects have always been a big part of baseball and a team and where it goes, but the reality of it is they're not just prospects for a to, to help this major league club. There's a lot of varieties of ways that prospects affect a major league roster. Um, and I'm excited about it. I, I think it's going to be a fun show. Uh, my goal is also to have, you know, so each week we'll have those three guys on with their own segment. And then, uh, and then I'd like to have a guest each week, whether that guest be somebody in the local media, um, a player, um, a fan, uh, this is going to be an opportunity for fans to have a voice. I would love to feature somebody from all the great Facebook pages out there and all the Facebook groups. I think they do a tremendous job. We're very fortunate here in St. Louis, as I've done a lot of research. You don't have a lot of baseball towns that have so many. 
I mean, it'd really surprise you. You would think even some of the bigger markets would have just tons and tons and tons, but, man, the St. Louis fandom is crazy when it comes to it. So it's really good. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm looking forward to getting I, – I want to learn as well, just like the rest of you. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see where it goes. And, we're, you know, we're going to obviously Im, you know, improve the show each week. It'll take some time for us to get in a real flow. But at the end of the day, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it because, again, if, you know, if I've been paying attention and doing my homework, it just truly seems like, um, truly seems like people are really into what some of these people really have to offer when it comes to the game of baseball. And they're going to have their platform here. You know, it's not going to be there's not it's not going to be arguments or maybe some discussions, but it's truly going to be an opportunity for people to uh, learn about the game of baseball from a different light. So again, um, I'm excited about it. I want to thank all of our partners. Again, we come to you from the patio studios as we do each week. Um, InnovativeCompanies.com is what makes the show possible. Um, you know, they've been with us now for for a year, and they're huge supporters of the show. Randy Green, great company, residential, commercial, industrial doesn't matter. They can help you with your construction needs, plumbing, heating, and cooling, and, of course, your electric needs. He's a 35-year experienced guy, second-generation craftsman. Uh, Randy Green's your guy, folks. Check him out, innovativecompanies.com. Um, you can learn more about us, twobirdsonabat.com. Subscribe to the show. Do your shopping at Amazon. We'd appreciate it. Find us on Twitter. We're at Birds on a Bat Show. Facebook, Two Birds on a Bat Show. Don't forget that we're uh, – we're, we're handing out prizes. We're, we're randomly selecting people that share our pinned post. Uh, so when you see the show come out, um, whether you see it here in another group, if you share that, uh, the interns are, are documenting who shares it, and then we're randomly selecting people and putting them in huge contests or just sending them something or doing whatever. So, again, thank you so much uh, for your continued support on Facebook. Uh, Instagram, Two Birds on a Bat show as well. Lineupmedia.fm, we're happy to be a part of their network. Again, we've mentioned Yo Radio. You guys are going to want to download that from the App Store on your mobile device. It's free right now. I would do it. It's tremendous. It's what you think it'd be, but it's about to be so much more. You're going to have to trust me on that. And again, um, you know, I I'm excited about doing this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Adam Smokehouse has made it all all possible. Again, new hours now. Okay, guys, I'm telling you, they've you know they've expanded their hours. I know last night was the first night they stayed open till seven, and I know the reception was great. Uh, if you guys want some barbecue, it's not just, you know, like I kind of joked around and said, it's not what's for lunch anymore because now you can have it for dinner. So Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at Adam's Smokehouse, they're going to be up open until 7. So you can get that after work. Uh, Arlington Greens, Mark Marcuso and his crew do a tremendous job. Get down there and check out the course. Again, I say it's a hidden jewel here in the mid-metro in the mid uh, metro east area in my hometown of Granite City. So, again, just, uh, you know, get down there and play some golf. You guys are going to enjoy the course. They do a tremendous job. Gators Baseball Academy, MissouriGators.com, now home to the Illinois Gators as well. Their four-pillar system is what separates them from the rest. Make sure you give them an opportunity if you're looking for somewhere to help uh, when it comes to, to you know the, game of, the wonderful game of baseball that father and son and family enjoy, mother, son. The whole relationship's tremendous with baseball, and there's a lot of you guys out there that have youngsters that are playing. MissouriGators.com, check it out, see if it's a good fit for you. Um, okay, we're going to roll right into this thing. Again, I'm excited about it. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I, I mentioned this this guy earlier. His name's Kyle Reese. He does a great show called Prospects After Dark. He's affiliated with multiple uh, great uh, platforms out there that do a great job of sharing Cardinal content. I'm excited about this. Uh, again, it'll be a work in progress, so bear with us as we, as we muddle through it the first week. But 
We hope you like the show. And again, the last thing I'll remind you guys is when we when we send this out, whether it be through Twitter or Facebook, if you guys could share it around in, in an effort for us to to really get everybody involved in the conversation, we would appreciate it. That's our thing here. If you follow us on social media, we're going to follow you back because we want to know what you think. So the feedback for this would be greatly appreciated. So um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to get him on the line here. So my man, Kyle, are you there? I am there, sir. How are you? Well, welcome to the inaugural edition of Bow Ties and Sweaters, where analytics meet the eye test. Uh, we've done that segment on the show before. I know that we, you know, that, that you're aware of that. But now with the new spinoff show, I'm excited about it. And you get to go first. I went ahead and went with you first. All the people that know you said go with him first and get the energy going. So I'm excited oh about it. <laughs> but um, uh, real quick, why don't you give our listeners just a real quick little bit about yourself and what it is you're going to bring to this show each week. Uh, you know, I'll probably bring very little. I offer little. No, I. Uh, my name's Kyle. I uh, grew up and born and raised and all that stuff in St. Louis, Missouri, in the city. I'm a city rat. Uh, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I like to play around, but I like to play around and uh, kind of be serious at the same time. I always keep things light. And uh, other than that, I, I'm, what I'm really going to bring is as much information and excitement uh, about the minor league part, minor league facet of the St. Louis Cardinals organization. And uh, hopefully in a way that it's, it's easy to absorb and uh, kind of like a beginner's guide more so than anything at first to, uh, to the minor leagues in relation to the Cardinals. I'm, I am really, really stupid. Like, I'm probably one of the dumbest people you'll ever meet or hear. So uh, I like to kind of talk as if I'm intelligent but also really stupid. So that's what I bring. Man, I knew we had something in common because that's how I operate. <laughs> so that's good stuff. Um, you got to – we have to tell the listeners kind of – how this started for you like you're really like enthralled with the minor leagues like it's like you're when people see you talk and again you're like you remind me of fish the guy that we that used to be on our show all the time you get real passionate about something and the truth is you could be pulling our leg and we'd have no clue because i mean dude (laughs) you you like you got it so where did that start how did that start for you you know i so again i'm 32 and that meant that when i was and i played baseball growing up but, you know, in the early part of the 2000s, I, the Cardinals' farm system was terrible. Like, it was really bad. And they, all the trades involved older players, and there weren't a whole lot of rookies. And the guys who came up were always older, and they didn't really make any kind of a difference. So I was always interested. You know, first off, I love baseball more than anything. I, I just can't get enough of it. I coach it. I, I, I just can't get enough of baseball. I will talk it all day. My guys at work, they get sick of me talking about baseball. Uh, but because of that and, and how bad the Cardinals were, I always viewed the minor leagues as a challenge getting to know the players. And then back in those days uh, of the early part of the Internet, it wasn't easy to find information on players. Like, it was, it was extremely hard, and it's come a long way in 14, 15 years or whatever. Uh, but, it was, like, every day looking at for minor league information was – you had to really, really grind to find it. And that made it interesting and fun for me. And, uh, you know – when you see a kid, and we'll probably talk about him here in a little bit, when you see a kid like Andy Young, who is a 37th-round draft pick, uh, went to North, born and raised in North Dakota, and he, the Cardinals kind of take a flyer on him. They don't give him much money to sign. Getting to know and learn about that player, not just his, his skills, but the person that he is, and like finding those little hidden gems of information, I, I find completely exciting. And uh, it's kind of like a little investigative work every day, and it is every day. And uh, that's, I think that's where it comes from more than anything. You know, Cardinals were bad, 
system, our Cardinals were good, system was bad, had to really dig to find extra talent that might help at the major league level, and then the system got really good because of uh, Mr. Mazalak and Mr. Kantrovitz and Mr. Correa for before he went to prison <laughs> and Mr. Loonhow. Uh, and it, it was just like the right timing to get excited and get interested in the minor league system. Well, I can. I, I want to say one thing before we get going here. I want you to promise me that when the when the season slows down after Arizona Fall League, which I know we're going to talk about today, once the off season hits, I know we'll talk probably uh, some guys that you know you're expecting big off seasons from as far as how they come back. But I want to talk about that whole thing that happened. That thing fascinates me. There's so many layers to that that we don't talk about. There's more to that yeah. story, I believe. There's no way that, that, that the, the real truth of that story hasn't come out. He was a fall guy. But the problem is is he can't say he didn't do what they said he did, but there was a lot more to that, a lot more to that. You know, I, uh, I wish he'd get pardoned. I really do. I wish, I wish somebody would lobby for him to get pardoned because I feel like that's the only way we'll ever hear the true story. If he serves <clears throat> all 46 or 48 months of that, of that prison sentence, I don't think he's ever going to tell his side of the story fully. But I think if he gets, say, a presidential pardon, uh, I really think that that's when it would get really interesting that you would hear the whole story, if there isn't, if there really is more to be told. Uh, there's just that that story's like an onion. The more the more you peel, the more it stinks. Um, all right, hey, let's get yeah. into your stuff here. I know you're excited about it. Um, you know, first and foremost, we we can't start this off. We know that there's some minor league playoffs going on. What's happening? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a big win for Memphis last night. So. Memphis won the first round of the PCL championship or uh, PCL playoffs. Now they're playing for the PCL championship against Fresno, and they won ten to four last night. Uh, they have a kind of a career minor leaguer starting pitcher named Kevin Herget, and he throws a nice little curveball. Uh, but he might—he probably will never make a major league debut with the Cardinals. Uh, but he pitched really well over a little over five innings last night. Tommy Edmond, who is prospect number fifteen on my little dirty thirty-five that I do over at Birds on the Black. Uh, he led off the game with a home run, and then Andrew Kisner had a amazing 14-pitch at bat that drew a walk that set the tone for the game. It, it happened in, in the second inning, and after that, Memphis just could not be stopped. And that's kind of the M.O. with Memphis. They get ahead early. Uh, it doesn't really matter how they do it. They do it all the time, and then the other minor league teams can't catch up. So uh, they're, you know, they win game one of the PCL championship. Uh, game two is tonight uh, at nine o'clock, and uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people expect Memphis to probably make it to the, uh, the what they call the Triple A championship game in Durham, like it was last year. And uh, I personally expect that they're just a kind of a loaded team. They have veteran pitching, uh, veteran. It's hard to believe, like when you talk about minor leaguers, when you say veteran presence, but they have a lot of guys who have been in the minor leagues for you know, four to six years, and that actually really helps a PCL team, a AAA team, as they, they try to reach the, the championship, as they try to win a championship. Uh, the other the other affiliate that is still in the playoffs is the Peoria Chiefs. They're the uh, the low class A, uh, the, the lowest level of full season ball. And uh, their first game is tonight. Uh, it's at, I believe, at 6 Peoria, and a very, very interesting prospect named Yuhan Oviedo, uh, six foot six. 20-year-old uh, Cuban monster who is really interesting. And if, if, you, if you're so inclined, you should really subscribe to MILBTV.com. Both of those games, both Peoria and, uh, and Memphis, will be on MILBTV.com. The feeds are a little weird sometimes, uh, but both teams are worth watching. 
and it's playoff excitement to get you prepared for hopefully what we'll have out of the Cardinals in a month. Well, that's good stuff. Like I said, this is interesting because I think people are paying more and more attention to the minor leagues because of the success. You know, it's it's, it's like anything. If something's right in front of your face, you, you start asking more questions and you're more curious, right? So these young guys have come up, especially, you know, in the last couple months and really given us a spark. So I think people are really intrigued by the minor leagues, so this is good stuff. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to baseball, what I know is the different levels of baseball, um, mm. when you're a prep player – you know, if you wind up in Atlanta at, at the perfect game, the World Series events, and you wind up down in, in Jupiter, Florida, and, and, and uh, Fort Myers, if you wind up in those events, you're a true prospect. I know that. I know that once you get to college, I mean, there's tons of prospects, obviously, but if you wind up in the Cape Cod League, you're legit. We know that. Um, for, for the minor leagues, everybody says you kind of make your bones at double A. Um, but the other thing is a lot of players really – take that next step and show their, their medal in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Arizona Fall League. Yeah, yeah. So the Arizona Fall League is, you know, one of the more interesting leagues and associated with baseball in the minor leagues. It's, uh, well, you know, first off, the one thing, maybe next episode we'll go over kind of what each level is in the minor leagues, try to, try to break that down a little bit better. Um, but the Arizona Fall League is really interesting. So it happens between October, the beginning of October, and the middle part of November – uh, every year, and it's constantly called finishing school for prospects. The idea, it's kind of presented as if you send your best prospects to the league. Now, that isn't always necessarily true, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about the Arizona Fall League. Uh, it, again, they call it the finishing school for prospects, and what gets lost in that is, yeah, a lot of teams will send some of their better prospects to the league, but teams also send players, and it's usually pitchers, who have been in the system for a couple of years that they need to make a uh, a 40 man decision on. And like this year, the Cardinals have a pitcher named Andrew Morales. Now uh, last year, Andrew Morales was drafted. Well, take a step back. Andrew Morales was drafted in 2014 out of UC Irvine. He was a second round pick. He's a starting pitcher who is now a relief pitcher. Uh, but they last year, they kept him. They did not. He was available in the rule five draft. Uh, and they, they exposed him and no one took him, but this year he had a really great year. And he, closed out some games for Memphis. I think he held hitters to a 227 average. Uh, he, he had a really low ERA, saved some games. So the Cardinals need to decide if he's going to be worth putting on the 40-man uh, to protect from the Rule 5 draft. So they send, they'll send some of their top prospects, and they'll send guys that they need to make a 40-man roster decision on to the Arizona Fall League, have them compete with each other, and make some evaluations. Uh, it's, it's usually like – it's just really, really great baseball – at a really, really great time of the year, an amazing setting. And it's uh, you, the one problem I have with it is that you can't watch any of the games. Uh, you have to rely on scouting video and hope that your connections are coming through for you. Uh, but it's, it's as close as you'll get. It's, first off, it's the best winter league associated with Major League Baseball. It has the most talent, uh, and it's, it's probably the most competitive. Every game is super competitive. There are a whole lot of blowouts. Uh, but it is it's baseball at you know during and after the postseason, and uh, usually that's where where a lot of really interesting prospects, whether it's talent wise or the roster decision wise, end up in the winter. Really cool, man. I, I tell you, it's a uh, it's an interesting thing. Like I said, I I've always looked at it and thought, okay, who's going down there? What's the reasoning? It's good to know this kind of stuff because, like I said, it does seem like you learn more about players when they go there now. There's nothing guaranteed. Um, I believe Carson Kelly went to the Arizona Fall League, and 
I think he kind of did really well, and that's kind of where we were like, yeah, Carson Kelly, and I got to tell you, I'm, I mean, I'll just give my personal opinion. I'm not impressed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not at all. Not even I, – I, not, <laughs> not even – I mean, I'm definitely not impressed offensively with him at all, and I'm really – he was supposed to be a defensive stud, and I do not like the way he receives the ball. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if maybe that's a mental thing for him up here. Um, if it, the, you know, you know, hey, listen, you can do a lot of things, but until you get up here and play against the best players in the world, I guess you don't really know, but I, I'm really shocked by that one. Um, I, I, I kind of threw that curveball at you, but, um, before we oh. get out of here, am I, am I, do you think I'm off on Carson Kelly? I don't like for me, the jury's still out, right? I, I watch. Well, sure. I, yeah. I want to say that too. I'm not saying he's never going to be a player, but I, I what I'm saying is, it's kind of like some of these other guys that come up, like, you know, the you know J.D. Drew was a five-tool player. He couldn't throw a ball from here to there. How was he a five-tool <laughs> player? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you tell yeah. me Carson Kelly's a stud. Def- like, I I knew he hit good, but nobody said he was going to be an offensive threat. But they said he was yeah. a defensive stud, and I am unimpressed. Yeah, you know, it's it's been weird watching his evolution as a catcher. I uh, You know, you talk, first off, you talk about his time in the Arizona Fall League. He, I believe his time in the Arizona Fall League, he had like 96 at-bats, and he only struck out four times. He had three home runs and four strikeouts in those 96 at-bats. Uh, here's what I see. I see a gentleman, when he, especially at the major league level, because he does seem more relaxed behind the plate at Memphis. Uh, but at the major league level, I just see a kid who's, like, especially framing the ball, it seems like he's stabbing at everything. It's yeah. like he's trying too hard. Now, again, that could be mental, and maybe that's just – you know, maybe that's him thinking I have to reach the next level to play at this level, especially because his time at the major leagues has been so unusual. You know, he, he gets called up to the majors and he sits on the bench. He's supposed to be Yachty's primary backup uh, uh, for Eric Fryer once they released Eric Fryer, and he only gets like 23 at-bats or something like that. He, he had like nine starts uh, before the last like week of that season. And it, I, I think it was just a whole crapshoot of, of, of nonsense and also, there was definitely there's definitely overhype. A lot of times, whenever you get to one of these prospects, uh, even if you're watching it every day, they kind of just like mold together, and it, it it makes it kind of tough sometimes, especially with someone like Carson Kelly, and especially catching. Like the one thing I tell people is, evaluating the catching spot is, it's the most difficult thing to do, and not only is it the most difficult thing to evaluate. But it's also, and we all know this, but it's also the most difficult position to play. Usually catchers develop super late. You know, I was thinking about uh, 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 Alfaro for, um, for Philadelphia. I like you know, him. Three years, yeah, he's, he's super good. But three years ago was when he was supposed to break out on the scene. He was, I mean, he's been a top 100 prospect. He actually fell off the top 100 list, and now he's back to finally being where everyone thought he was going to be two to three years ago. You know, the same thing happened with Mike Zunino, who still isn't very good, but you know, he was rushed to the Seattle organization, and it kind of backfired for them. And, I mean, even someone like Austin Hedges, you know, it, it takes a little bit longer for catchers. We are fortunate and spoiled because of how good Yadier was from the get-go. And I, I think a lot of times in the minor leagues, what you're, what you're looking for is consistent signs of consistency. And I, that kind of sounds like a jumbled statement. But, you know, if, if you see Carson Kelly making – playing a really good catcher 75% of the time at age 21, you think, all right, well, 90% of the time, by the time he's 23, he's going to end up peaking. And that's a really, really good catcher. 
But, you know, if they get to the major leagues and they're overextending themselves, if, if they're not playing the baseball that they're used to playing, uh, then then it kind of all backfires. And I think that's what's going on with Carson Kelly more than anything. I think I think, I think his time in the major leagues has been weird and, and probably bad for his development. And then the other thing that gets lost with Carson Kelly uh, is, you know, he drafted out of high school, and over the off-seasons, he's, he's busted his butt to get his college degree. And he, he's done it while working tirelessly as a catcher, too. And this coming off-season will be his first off-season uh, with just baseball. And it, for me... The issue with Carson Kelly is I, th- I think his defense is okay. At the major league level, I think it's been okay. I think he stabs at balls. I think sometimes he, he gets a little lazy blocking pitches, which he doesn't do at AAA. Uh, but to me, the issue is that he needs to put on muscle. He, you know, he, he has a body fit for a little extra muscle. I agree. Because I, 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 th- I think people know. I, you know, I, seen him, I, I was around him quite a I, I had seen him a few times in the offseason hitting with the guy in St. Louis that I know and I was surprised that he wasn't like a like a like a sturdier body. You know what I mean? I was yeah. surprised by that. Yeah, and you know, you look at his swing and it stays through the zone very very well. But it doesn't have the the oomph to do what it needs to do. You know, if he puts on another 10 pounds of muscle, if he can trans if he can transfer some of his body weight into muscle. He doesn't need to get, he doesn't need to weigh anymore, but if he can, you know, fix some of that into like 10, 10, 15 pounds of muscle, you know, he had, he had quite a few balls. He hits a lot of balls on the ground, which again, yeah. that's something he doesn't necessarily do at the minor league level either. He does, but not to the extent that he has at the major league level. And, but he's also hit a lot of balls like to the warning track or 10 feet in front of the warning track that I personally believe if he were to just add a little bit of weight, I mean, you just never know how that's going to translate off the bench or off the bat. I mean, so, I, you know, that's to me, that's the big thing. Is I, I, and he might not make it through the offseason with the Cardinals, uh, but I want to see what he looks like at, at spring training because he needs to put on muscle. And, that, I mean, that's step one. And just play like he did at Memphis. Well, that time's a coming for him, and I know I threw you a curveball there, but we got to get out of here. we got to get out of here. But uh, before you go, I want you to tell uh, all of our listeners how they can follow you personally and i know that uh, you had mentioned earlier that you're affiliated with the the birds on the black which is another great platform for st louis cardinals baseball tell our listeners a little about that and we'll let you get out of here yeah yeah you can find me on twitter it's uh k-y-l-e-r 416 uh i'm pretty active on there whenever i have any free time which is becoming less and less lately and uh uh, you know i i write for birds on the black and uh they're an amazing website with amazing talent uh putting it out just as well as any other Cardinals blog. And then you can also find me. Uh, I do this little thing on Periscope called Prospects After Dark. Uh, it's 8.30 uh, Central Time. We try to do it every Thursday now because the Cardinals are usually off on Thursday. Uh, but what we do is we try to find one night of the week when the Cardinals are off, and we, and we do Prospects After Dark. And it's a little off color. Uh, this week it's tonight, uh, Wednesday, 8.30 Central. You can find it through Twitter. You can find it through Periscope at KYLER416. Um, but it's look, it's it's a it's a total potpourri of nonsense. You know, we, we talk about baseball, we talk about prospects, we talk about wheels of cheese, we talk about players' wives and girlfriends, probably probably more than we should. Uh, and that's where you can find me, and uh, that's that's my little happy little baseball life. Well, good stuff, my man. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to this each week. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope all the people that follow you enjoy this. And again. Just trying to bring some great guys together to talk Cardinal baseball. I'll see you next week, my friend. All right. Thanks, man. I'm looking forward to it.
All right, that is Kyle Reese, the man, the myth, the legend. You all know him and his Prospects After Dark uh, show that he does, as he mentioned. And again, he's tremendous at it. I'm excited about it. And uh, just another one of the segments that I'm I'm really uh, hoping to learn more about a part of the game that uh, I'm not saying I've never paid attention to it, but not as much as I'm going to now. So thank you very much to Kyle Reese for, first off, agreeing to be a part of this uh, spinoff from Two Birds on a Bat. And again, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, time now for, uh, for us to move to a gentleman that you've heard on the show before. Uh, you know, we started the very first segment ever was with this gentleman, and it's Moe's Algorithm. What intrigued me about Moe's was that he loved to talk about the analytics and the sabermetrics and things like that of the game, the numbers. You know, I always say the numbers are stat heads or whatever. But the truth is, um, I was intrigued by it because I, I didn't understand it. And uh, people give me a lot of crap because they say I, I want to disregard it. I don't disregard it. But what I don't do is bury my head in a spreadsheet and not pay attention to what I see. And that's why I liked Moe's because he would, A, he's happy to explain to you what they really mean. And unlike some other stat people, he's also willing to admit, he's also willing to admit there are some human elements to some of these numbers that make them flawed to some degree. Um, you know, again... I, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but you know what? Hopefully he does. So now it's time to welcome in our old friend, Moe's Algorithm. What's happening, my man? Hey, how are you doing, Jim? Long time no here. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad we did this. I know that um, we had talked about the segment on the other show. I knew you enjoyed doing it. We enjoyed it. Our listeners really enjoyed it and have been wondering when it was going to get rolling again. Um, I like this format. We're going to do better. This is really going to give you a platform to speak more, and it really – We'll have a conversation about it, but I, I really want to learn. And I, and I know a lot of our listeners that are really into the numbers will, will already be familiar with a lot of things you're going to talk about, but would love to hear your, your, your take on them. But I also kind of challenged you for this segment on this particular show now is to educate our fans a little bit. Um, this week, uh, and just for our listeners, uh, I'm going to give you just a minute to tell them a little bit about yourself and how you came to be intrigued by the numbers. But um, we're going to do a little bit, something a little different this week. Um, you know, the, the guys doing the segments the night before kind of send me an email saying, hey, this is what I'm going to cover. And I was expecting to get something from you saying, I want to talk about the resurgence of Marcelo Zuna since the injury uh, or since the DL. Or let's talk about what's really going on with this guy or this guy. But instead, you went a different route and you did it because people are asking. And I think it's great. And I'm really encouraged by what we're going to talk about today because talking about the playoffs and how we get there is really a topic we haven't had in a couple of years so this is going to be great but first off tell our listeners a little bit about yourself Mose, and we'll go from there well i i i really got into the numbers when i saw the you know the movie moneyball uh i read the book uh and that really it just uh really got me interested in digging in deeper and to determine what the numbers are and how they work and how they affect the game and it's uh, uncharted territory still for a lot of folks. They're not too familiar with them. So I just try to uh, learn what I can about them. There are people that know a lot more than I do, um, but I try to learn from those folks. And then when people have questions on Twitter, I, I do the best I can to research it and, and give them the answers uh, that I can. Well, I'm excited about this. Um, and, and for our listeners, what we're going to cover this week is pretty interesting. Um, lots of questions on Twitter lately about playoff odds, magic numbers, so um, I, thought, uh, I thought when you sent me that we were going to go over this, I thought it was pretty cool. First and foremost, um, and again, division odds. Uh, tell our listeners what that is and kind of what you see. 
So Fangraphs has a very complicated formula where they put in schedules, uh, home and away, uh, what pitchers they're projecting to go, uh, how, how the teams have been doing lately, and they, they give an, a percentage on how uh, the outlook on what, uh, what you're going to do the remainder of the year. And for the, for the NL Central, um, for the Cardinals, they're projecting a 3, 3.4% chance of winning the division. Um, so it, it's, it's pretty grim. Um, because a three and a half game lead with what 18 to go, um, 17 to go now, that's uh, that's quite a gap to close. And it may not sound a lot like a lot because there is that three game series with the Cubs at the end of the year. Um, but you're projecting, you know, them to sweep them just to tie, um, and that's that's asking a lot, and that's not not entirely likely. So the projections really play into that and get an understanding of. Uh, you know, sweeping the Cubs is, is probably a, a low outcome uh, in terms of what's really going to happen. Uh, obviously, they could take two of three from the Cubs to end the season, but that only gains one game. So you still have to make up two and a half over the next, you know, 18 games. And that's, that's just a lot of ground to make up, even though it doesn't sound like a lot. So they do have a 3.4% chance of winning the division. The Brewers have a 15.7% chance. Uh, and that's because they still play the Cubs, you know, uh, a couple more times. And then the Cubs have an 80.9% chance of winning the division. So, uh, you know, in all likelihood, the Cubs are probably, you know, going to win the division uh, without a collapse. You know, they could, they could obviously lose 10 of their next 18 and, and collapse, and, you know, the Brewers or Cardinals could take over. But in all likelihood, the projections point out that the Cubs are, uh, are likely to win the division. You know, that key word you say is likelihood. And I think that, to me, is what the numbers are, is likelihood. I, you and I have talked numerous times. We've had some fun back and forth. You know, I don't want to hear about likelihood. I want to hear about I, – I, I'm interested to see what happens, and that's why they play the game. They're, they're men, not machines. But the reality of it is I think that, you know, we get so geeked up about things that we don't look at the reality. And, for instance, I, I, you look at that last weekend in Chicago, and I think everybody thinks, well, if they're two games back, they just got to win two games in Chicago. Well, you kind of forget that if they lose one game, it's a it's a it's a swing the other way. So you yeah. you actually have to be you, to take two out of three. You know, you would have to be one game back. So exactly, yeah. That's what I don't think people realize. I don't think people realize that. And look how hard it's been to gain one game. How many days has it taken us to gain one game? Yep, exactly. I mean, over the last ten days, they've gained nothing. Both teams are five and five. So you've burned up ten days worth of games that you've you've done nothing, you know. Uh, and the Brewers are, are seven and three over those last ten days. So they've not only pulled two games away from the Cardinals, but they've picked up two games on the Cubs, you know. And it can happen. It's you know to say that three and a half games is not insurmountable is would be false. And these these projections change every single day. And I'll get more into that when we talk about the Cardinals and Dodgers how it changes. Um, but you know. In all likelihood, you know, if we play the season out millions of times, 80% of the time the Cubs win the division. Wild card odds. So the wild card odds are, are definitely in our favor. Um, they, uh, they have a, uh, let's see, what was it here? The Cardinals have a 71.7% chance of winning a wild card. Um, the Brewers have an 81.1% uh, chance. So right now they are way ahead of the Dodgers and Rockies. Uh, the Dodgers have a 10.3% chance of winning a wild card, and the Rockies have a 12.9% chance. And what plays into that, again, is the Cardinals are three games ahead of the Rockies in the wild card, 
And that's a lot, even though they play each other four times, you know, all the Cardinals have to do is split to survive. Did you that's mean the it. Dodgers they there, Mose? Did you mean to say Dodgers? You said Rockies. Well, I'm sorry. Yes. The okay. Dodgers. Just making yes, sure. Just clarifying. Okay. So that is a big four game series coming up with the Dodgers, you know, but a split and they're fine. Even if they were to lose three or four, the, the, they'll only gain two games on them. They'll come out of there with a one-game wild-card lead. Um, so the odds say that, you know, if we play the season out many, many, many times, the Cardinals are going to win at least that second wild-card, if not catch the Brewers for the first wild-card. Uh, and a lot of that also plays into the fact that the Dodgers and Rockies are fighting for that NL West title, and they play each other still, and the Rockies do not play the Cardinals anymore. Um, so it's going to be really difficult for the for the Rockies to catch the Cardinals if, by chance, they get passed by the Dodgers uh, in the West. Um, and, you know, playing off of that, the Dodgers have a 65% chance, according to Fangraphs, to win the West, and the Rockies only have a 51% chance. And the Rockies are leading the division right now. So that shows that goes to show what Fangraphs' projections really think of the Dodgers going forward in that NL West battle. Um, so... You know what they're looking at right now is the Dodgers winning the West, the Cardinals and Brewers winning the Wild Cards, the Cubs winning the Central, and the Braves definitely winning the East. Um, so that's what they're looking at right now. Uh, obviously, it changes day by day. What happened in just a swing of one night yesterday? The Dodgers had like a 71% chance of making the playoffs, and the Cardinals had about a 65% chance. And that's that that altered in one night. The Dodgers didn't beat the Reds, the Cardinals beat the Pirates, and just that that two-game swing right there uh, changed that to where now it's it's really now it's in the Cardinals' favor to make the playoffs over the Dodgers. Yeah, you know, it's funny you, you brought that up. I was going to say, you know, we as, like, Cardinal fans lose their mind when we lose a game that we quote-unquote shouldn't lose. And it's almost like I, there's not a major league team on the other side of the field. Like, we lost two – listen, we lost two of three to the Detroit Tigers. That was not optimal. I know that on paper we should beat the Detroit Tigers, but it happens. I nobody thought. Uh, listen, we caught a lot of hell for beating up on the Reds in, in, in at the beginning of the year, right? Well, yep, yep. so does that mean the Dodgers' losses to them the last two days don't count? Because I promise you, I, I could be wrong here, but did Fangraphs have uh, uh, L.A. going into to Cincinnati and losing both those games? Probably not. No, nah, probably not. Nope. So, and, and the Dodgers haven't won a game against the Reds all year. Really? I See, I didn't know that. The Dodgers are 0-6 against the Reds. They got swept out in L.A. by the Reds earlier this year when the Reds were hot, and the Reds have caught them at the right time this year or this week in Cincinnati. And the Dodgers, you know, trying to fight for that wild card, they have not won a single game against the Cardinals or the Reds this year. They're 0-9. How can that be, though, Mose? Because the numbers, I guess, would clearly say that the Dodgers should have beat the Reds the last two days. How can that be? Part of it is randomness. Part of it's randomness in the sense that the Tigers beat the Cardinals two days in a row. You know, uh, walk-offs especially are random. Um, and then also is the Dodgers have played with fire all year long. They have either been really cold or really hot. There has been no in-between for the Dodgers. You don't see them going 500 for a 30-game stretch. They're either going 20-10 and 10 or they're going 10-20. and 20. Uh, That's just how they've played all year long. And right now it looks like they're, they're hitting a the funk at the right time. And that's perfect for the Cardinals this week if they can keep that going. But, yeah, uh, you know, some of it's randomness and how you beat teams and when you beat them. Um, the others is, you know, the, the Dodgers have not played consistent baseball all year, and they're showing some cracks here at the end. Uh, last thing from you today, magic numbers and how they work. 
Yeah, so a lot of people have asked, you know, I've, I've been posting updates on how the magic numbers have been changing for the Cardinals, and right now we're focused, you know, clearly on the wild card because we're not leading the division. Um, so what you want to do is it's, it's based on the number 163, or 162, obviously, um, but you want to look at basically 163 and how that works. So the Rocky or the, the Dodgers, we'll talk about them, they have 67 losses. So the Cardinals, to eliminate them, would need to get to 96 wins right? Because once they got the 96 wins and the Dodgers have 67 losses, the Dodgers couldn't win 96 games. They don't have enough games. So if you do that math, you know, the Cardinals right now have 81 wins to get to 96 to eliminate the Dodgers. They would need 15 wins. So their magic number right now to knock the Dodgers out of the playoffs is 15, right? So how that changes is if the Cardinals win a game, right? And the Dodgers lose a game, there's a two-game swing there, right? Because the Dodgers have added to their loss column to 68. The Cardinals would have added to their win column nine, or 82. That then would go down by two, and the, the magic number would be 13. You know, um, So it can swing you know, in one night by two games. The other thing is, is that the Dodgers lose a game and the Cardinals lose a game. The magic still, number still goes down by one because it adds to the Dodgers' loss column. Interesting. If the Cardinals win a game and the Dodgers win a game, It'll, go, it'll still go down by one because the Cardinals have added to their win column. So right now it's really most important just to focus on the results, right? If the Cardinals lose a game, there's no need to panic. Just if the Dodgers lose a game, we're fine. You know, what you really get into is where, you know, if the Cardinals start losing three in a row and the Dodgers win three in a row, now they're back to square and, and everything's on the table. Um, but if they can, you know, over the course of the year, the, the uh, fan graphs have the Cardinals projected um, for the rest of the year to go nine and eight. So that would put them at 90 wins. They have the Dodgers going, um, let's see, 10 and 7 over their remaining um, 17. And now a lot of that's based on their um, the remaining schedule. It's pretty weak. Um, but even then, that puts the Dodgers at 88 wins and the Cardinals at 90 wins. And they're easily ahead of them for the wild card. Interesting. And as you say that, uh, Jose Peraza homers to put the Cincinnati Reds up one nothing in the bottom of the first inning. Um in Cincinnati. Interesting stuff. There we go. Moe's, you're tremendous. Um, the, the, the listeners love you, except for uh, when you tweet out that you've never been impressed with Adam Wainwright. I'll let you save that for another day and let you defend <laughs> yourself on Twitter. Uh, I know, uh, you know, you call it like you see it, and I know that's why fans really enjoy you, even if they don't agree with you. So uh, I know that you're going to add a lot to this show, and we're excited about it. Before you go, tell our listeners about uh, where they can follow you on social media. Uh, on Facebook, at Moe's Algorithm, uh, and then on Twitter, at Moe's underscore Algorithm, because we had to change that. So, and, and spell uh, Moe's. Yep. How do you spell it? M-O-Z underscore Algorithm. All right. So good stuff, my man. I'm looking forward to this. I hope you enjoy doing this show each week. It was, uh, it's, it's taken us a little while to, to get to this point, but with the growth of the, of the two birds on a bat, um, you know, the next logical step for us was to go to three shows a week, and um, figuring out how we were going to do that, this made perfect, perfect sense. And I know all the listeners are excited about your segment. So we appreciate it. And I look forward to doing this with you each and every week. All right. I'll see you next week, Jim. All right. That's Mo's algorithm. And again, uh, the original uh, bow ties and sweaters where analytics meet the eye test was always Mo's algorithm. And again, um, his level headedness and ability to think outside the box all the while uh, taking into account the numbers and the analytics and the probabilities is why I really like Mose, and again, he does a great job. There's a lot of guys that do a great job of it on Twitter. I, 
you know, I know a lot of people really like Zach Gifford. He does a great job, and there's some other guys. Um, again, I, I I'm trying to learn as I go. Um, I'm not a hundred. I, like I I'm very uh, what's the word? I like I I see everything as a little gray. I don't see it all as black and white. Uh, again, um, I, I know likelihood and probability are the key terms. But hey, listen. Um, that's what it's all about. I always say fan how you want to fan. It's good stuff. Sounds to me, though, like what Benji Molina always says on the show, very simply, is win today. Uh, win today, and we're golden. So good stuff. Uh, happy to have him on the show. And, again, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, another gentleman that has quite a following on social media and, and loves to be on Twitter and engage, and I know he does his own Periscope and things like that, is uh, Brennan Schaefer. Um, he does uh, a lot of writing um, for the Cardinals, and, again, I, again, I, I, I've I followed him a lot. I haven't always agreed with him. Um, he and I have had some some conversations on Twitter or even behind the scenes about different styles of baseball, but I like what he brings to it. I think he's very informative. I think he has an opinion. Um, he asks questions. I think it's something that people really enjoy, especially when it comes to being a Cardinal fan. So I thought he'd be a great fit for this segment. So um, let's, uh, let's get him on the line. What do you say, Brennan? How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Well, is it Brendan or Mr. Schaefer, or how do I do this? Brendan is just fine. <laughs> just fine. <laughs> well, um, I told the listeners that I was excited about having you on. You're you're younger than I. I consider you to be a great example of the younger generation of Cardinal fan. Um, you're you take all things into account in your fandom. I know that you know you're always intrigued by numbers. You're intrigued by results. Um, you've got a little bit of veteranness to you because I know you've done some things in the St. Louis sports scene to where, you know, you're, you, you've seen some things that make you question, uh, you have an opinion. I think it's great. You do a, you're, you're passionate about it. I think you're really going to bring a, an element to this show uh, in the back and forth between you and I that I think fans will appreciate, but I want fans to know a little bit about you, kind of how you become a fan. And, and I know you write for KMOV for the Cardinals, but just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I grew up in the St. Louis area, St. Charles County, actually. But uh, my my family was definitely big into baseball. My dad, my grandpa, and so I, I grew up a Cardinals fan. I was, uh, you know, from from the day I was born, uh, was at McGuire's number sixty two home run game. Uh, my dad got us tickets. I was four years old, but uh, still have some vague memories from that. And so all growing up, I you know was was just all about Cardinal baseball. And then when I you know came time to try to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I started writing about sports and I went to Mizzou um, and, and their sport management program. And, you know, when I was exiting college, I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do. And it just so happened that there were some opportunities uh, with 590 The Fan, a radio station in St. Louis, uh, to, to get me to cover Cardinals games. And that was really a dream come true for me. And that's about the time in 2016 when I started uh, really using social media and Twitter more to, to talk to people about the Cardinals, uh, which I always find interesting because you've got, you, you know, you mentioned there are the people who like the numbers and there are people who maybe aren't as big on the numbers, but they, they still have a passion for the game and for the team. And, and it's just so interesting to me to get to go on Twitter and see all the different opinions that, that come about uh, from, from different ends of the spectrum. And so I've, I've really enjoyed using Twitter for that purpose uh, the last couple of years. And then at the end of the 2016 baseball season is when I started writing for KMOV, and I've been there since covering the Cardinals and Blues. Uh, and that's been a real treat, too. And, and it's been a great ride the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, gives me opportunities now like this one to get to talk to you guys about, about baseball on this podcast. I'm real excited to get going. 
Well, uh, I know you and I talked a little bit about what the segment will be, and um, really, we're just going to talk baseball. We're uh, you, like myself. I, you know, and again, I'm never going to speak for somebody else, but we're very interested in what the fans have to say. So, a lot of times, while we're while we are talking, I'll be kind of trolling Twitter, um, seeing what people are saying. Today will be interesting, as you and I are doing this. The Cardinals are getting ready to play a game, a day game. Um, what's your thoughts on the Cardinals right now? Like, what are you seeing? What what in like what? I guess, what do you like? What's bothering you? Let's just start there. Well, I think it's kind of miraculous. It, it, it's hard to kind of not take it for granted a little bit where the Cardinals are at right now compared to where they were in mid-July right there before the trade deadline. The fact that we're looking at the Cardinals through a lens of a few games cushion in the wild card scene and you know the expectation now is that they do make the playoffs in one way or another – and I think that's kind of a, a miraculous thing that we kind of take for granted a little bit, and it's, it's hard not to. Um, I, You know, I like where they are offensively. I feel like they've got the firepower to, to, to make something happen here. I'm a little bit curious about how the pitching staff is going to unfold. Obviously, they've had the bullpen issues uh, in recent days, but Norris getting removed from the closer's role, and then Carlos Martinez, it looks like, is going to kind of step in as, as the guy in the ninth inning for the Cardinals. Um, and how's that starting rotation going to hold up? We've seen the, the infusion of a lot of younger guys to the point now that if you include Adam Wainwright making his start and kind of rejoining the group, they've got kind of a six-man rotation thing going where they've got a lot of arms that could potentially make starts down the stretch, but how many of them do you trust to hold up considering the Daniel Ponce de Leon's and the Austin Gombers are some young guys and even another young guy like Jack Flaherty, who you may consider to be the best starter of the bunch, but as a guy who we do have to realize is, is really in his first full season at this level. So there's a lot of interesting factors, I think, that are going to go into it down the stretch. But I think the bottom line is right now for the Cardinals, yeah, and fans too, the expectation should be that this team would make the playoffs because of the position that they're currently in. You know, um, it's interesting. You said uh, you know, you're talking about the six-man rotation that they're using now. I've got my own theory on that. Um, and, again, it's just a, a theory. I know the show Monday. I don't know if you had a chance to hear it yet. We we the the theme of the show was you know are are they are we running out of gas? And it, it, that's not like a negative thing. It's more of a reality thing. You've got some young guys that have never done this much. Um, and again, I, I I don't have anything other to go on than it, it typically happens. Like not does it happen to everybody? It's like everything in sports. It, there's no guarantee that a kid's going to run out of gas, but boy, it happens a lot, right? So you got to, it's like the ninth inning thing. There's a lot of numbers guys say it doesn't matter what inning you pitch. Well, then how come certain guys are dominant in the seventh and eighth, and then when you put them in the ninth, they, they can't get a save? I, I mean, it's reality. You can ignore it all you want, but it matters, right? So I have no idea, but what I do know is this. I see the, like, again, people, like, you were on one side of the fence or the other, it seemed like, on the Adam Wainwright thing, right? Like, people were losing their mind. Why are we doing this? We had the issues. You know, I, again, you can have your opinion on the whole Bernie versus Adam thing. I thought it was great. Um, but the reality of it is, what I see is an organization that's, that, and again, I, they would never admit this, but we just had Mo's algorithm on. He made a really strong case for kind of understanding why it's really almost virtually impossible for the Cardinals to catch the Cubs. It's not impossible, but it's darn near close. If you really look at it, and if you pay attention to numbers at all, the likelihood is the Cardinals are not going to catch the Cubs. Their main focus right now has to be, okay, well, then we need to get in. So if we can get into the wild card game, what we want to have is a healthy and rested starting staff. And I think that's what they're doing now. I have no proof of that, 
but I, I see no other reason than to do it that way other than you want to get plenty of rest for guys like Flaherty, Gomber, Ponce de Leon. You want to make sure they're ready to go in a couple of weeks. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And, too, whenever you get into the postseason, you know, the wild card game is going to be a crapshoot where all hands are on deck. You're just trying to get to a series at that point. And I think that's another consideration because I'll be interested to see if the Cardinals do make it to that game, what the roster looks like, because you've got a lot of guys that could potentially be starting pitchers, but you might just throw a lot of them on the roster on that one game winner take all situation where you're saying we're going to, we're going to run through some arms here and we're going to, we're just going to try our darndest to get to that next series. And then if they do so, I think what you mentioned with Jack Flaherty and even Miles Michaelis, they've rode him a little bit harder lately, throwing 100 pitches in consecutive starts for the first time. But Michaelis and Flaherty are going to be the guys that you're definitely wanting in that rotation, whether it's a four-man rotation in a five-game series, depending on off days, however you do it. I do think the best-case scenario is for your top guys to be as fresh as possible. And so I think I could see where they're going in that scenario. But you also look at, it's kind of hard to make a decision of, of who you would count out at this point. John Ganton has been good, ERA near three. Austin Gomber and Daniel Ponce de Leon both have ERAs below three right now. So it's kind of insane to think about some of these arms coming, coming out of basically thin air. Guys, the Cardinals didn't expect to contribute at this level or doing so. And, yeah, it's a little scary knowing that, uh, you know, they might not have, have the gas in the tank to get to the end. But I think there is some solace in the fact that there are so many of them you can just count on hopefully a few of them to get you there. And then, you know, once you're in the party, anything can happen. So I'll ask you a question because we're going to – you know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. I, I was going to ask you a question that I think is better left for next week because I think we'll, we'll know a whole lot more by next week. Um, I got to ask you, uh, Marcelo Zuna, um, you know, who is he? I mean, is he the guy? Listen, Benji on the show says all the time that we undervalue Marcelo Zuna. I'm of the belief that it's simply because, you know, I think most fans were like, yeah, I mean, 35 homers, 300, 120 RBIs, and we're not going to get that, right? But what we are probably going to get is 280. My guess is going to be 25, 26 homers, um, what, 80-plus RBIs maybe? Um, and that, I would have to say, I don't know about you, but I, I look back at the course of the whole year, and I would say that might be a down year. I mean, he missed, like like I said, when he went through a little bit where he wasn't driving the ball for power and things like that, and I know we've talked about the shoulder, but, boy, earlier in the year he left a lot of runs on base, and uh, and now he's cleaning up a little bit. So who is he? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. And and I think it's a question the Cardinals had to answer before they even acquired him because you look at what he did last season and it was fantastic. But then you look at some of those other seasons that he had had, and really last year was the outlier, the one big season that made him look like a prolific power hitter. And they they took a little bit of a chance when they went out and said he was going to be the the big acquisition this offseason to add to the offense. Uh, because he'd only done it for one year. Now, the good news is they didn't have to give up a lot of those talented young pitchers that we're seeing contribute today. Sandy Alcantara is really the only guy from that group that they parted with in that deal. Um, otherwise, you, you're, you can live with uh, what they gave up. But I, I think the shoulder plays a pretty big role into it, actually, because uh, it, it's just a miracle what he's been able to do after just a, a couple weeks off resting the shoulder and getting the shots or whatever it is that he that he had going with that situation. 
and, and now he's suddenly looking like a power hitter for the Cardinals. And I think that's a guy he can be if he's healthy, and I'll be interested to see kind of how they approach the offseason with him uh, as far as the, the, the rehabilitation and, and how the shoulder is looking. But I think in, in the long run, uh, you know, you, you could be getting a, a more powerful hitter from Marcelo Zuna than you've seen over the first few months of the season. Now he's starting to look like that guy, and the Cardinals could certainly use it down the stretch. Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um, again, I, oh yeah, I like him. Um, you know, we had—I think you know—we had, you know, we had become kind of tight with Craig Mish. Um, he had glowing things to say about him. Um, just what a tremendous person he was. I, if you watch him in the dugout, you can tell the players like him. I mean, obviously, you know, I know he—you know—we know, you know, from our affiliation, just how important he is in the clubhouse and things like that, and and the joy and the the fun that he has, but. The reality of it is, you know, the Cardinals have needed and have lacked a, a middle-of-the-order bat. We traded for him to be this middle-of-the-order bat. Boy, it sure looks like a middle-of-the-order bat lately, right? And i got to yeah, tell you. that's what it's been. I, I, I'm with you. That's what it's been lately. So I'm, 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 I'm excited. Yeah, and, and there's definitely reasons to be excited. And, and look, I, you talk about the struggles over the, the first few months of the season, and those are definitely real. He kind of turned himself into a single sitter. But he, he's he's a streaky guy, too, to an extent. But I think if you add a couple of those streaks together, and, and again, I wasn't huge on Marcelo Zuna earlier in the season, and even when they acquired him, I was kind of in a, in a wait-and-see mode. But I think that it is important what you say about what he does for the clubhouse, and, and certainly if he can, can be the cleanup hitter that they – they signed him to be, heck, by by the end of September, he could be a guy where he's pushing 30 home runs if he continues on the pace he's on now. And that's really all you were asking for out of him. And, and I think it's kind of a circuitous route to get there, but I think that's where the Cardinals are going to end up with uh, for Marcelo Zuna. i got to ask you, before we go, did you, did you get a chance to watch the game last night? I did watch the game last night, did yes. You, did you see the catch by the fan holding the baby? No, I missed that. You'll have to. I think Jen Langosh has it on her thing because she is recommending. Okay. While she's impressed, um, while she is impressed, she doesn't want her husband to ever do that. With I know she had just had a baby, but if you go on there, um, Fox Sports Midwest showed it and everything. That guy is a friend of mine. He is. <laughs> he, oh. Yeah, he's from Troy. He, he was a pitcher. He pitched at uh, where did he pitch at Drury or or Delta State? Delta State. Okay. He's a great guy. I think he's a, he's a mortgage lender. A great guy, uh, fun dude. I I couldn't believe when that happened. Like Facebook and all that was blowing up last night with everybody showing the video of him. But let me tell you something. His name's Jim, James Denton, Jimmy Denton, and let me tell you, he, he is he will eat this up like it's going out of style. So I'm excited for. I just didn't know if you'd saw it. It was amazing stuff. He's holding his baby in one arm, and one hand catches a a foul ball like half line drive into the right side. It was pretty good. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Sounds interesting. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's what we're going to try to have a little fun here with everything. Um, I, I got to tell you, I, I, um, I'm excited about this segment. I'm always curious to hear what you have to say. Um, please know that this is your platform as much as mine and ours. Um, you know, anytime you have something you want to roll with on here, bring it on because uh, I think the fans are going to enjoy the back and forth. Uh, last thing I'm going to leave you with, um, just get your thoughts today. Um, do the Cardinals get in? I, you know what? I think they do. I think the Dodgers series coming up is going to be critical. And, of course, Adam Wainwright is planning to get a start on Sunday in that series, and that's kind of the team that's chasing you right now in the wild card. I agree with what you said about catching the Cubs. I think you also have to consider catching the Brewers and the fact that the Brewers play a pretty relaxed schedule down the stretch. 
where I don't think that they're going to be fading too far uh, to where the Cardinals are going to be able to pass both those teams for the NL Central. So I do think you're looking at the wild card, um, and it's going to be a big series against the Dodgers. I think if you if you really fall flat in that series, that's going to hurt your chances. Uh, but I don't expect that to happen. I think the Cardinals are in a good enough position now. They're playing good enough baseball, and they've got the weapons, certainly if they can figure out things in the back of the bullpen with Carlos Martinez. Um, I feel like they're in a pretty good position, and I do. I think they're going to make it. Um, last question before you go then if we are going to make it in your opinion how important is it for us to be the first wild card versus the second and host the game or do you think it matters with this group no you know I don't think I, I don't think it matters too much obviously you prefer for that game to be at home especially uh, considering the home fans haven't gotten to see a playoff game uh, at Bush Stadium in a few years at this point and, and that might be the only one if you lose that game and so uh, but, you know, I think back to, to 2012 when they were able to beat the Atlanta Braves on the road. I think it's nice, but I think the more important thing is, are your starting pitchers ready to go in that game? Because I would I would do everything in my power. If you're in a position last week of the season where you already know you're clinching a wild card spot, I would say rather than kill yourself and, and really try your best to get that number one spot, I would save my pitchers and, and make it so that Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis are available to go in that wild card game. You just stack them. You, you you put your best guys out there, and maybe they throw four innings each, and then Carlos Martinez finishes it. I don't know, but I think pitching is more important than where that game is played, in my opinion. Actually, uh, you know what? It's uh, hearing you say that. I, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I I think we I, I think it's logical to read a little bit into the home field advantage thing. To your point, yeah, it'd be nice. Number one, it'd be nice for the fans. You like to believe that the players feed off of it. You know, you, I mean, sure. yeah, but the truth of the matter is I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, that wild card game is going to come down to whose starter that day goes out and dominates. Um, the only thing I will say is under normal circumstances, I would be with you on this. I will say this. I like our chances against Milwaukee a whole lot better at home. That, I, there's my problem with a one-game playoff is when you go to a park – that I think influences a game, and there's no doubt Milwaukee's park influences a game. It's a bam box. Um, I, that that bothers me a little bit. Now that being said, you know you got to go out and play, and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But man, I enjoyed this. Um, this is good stuff. I'm looking yeah, forward man, to doing too. this each week. I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, obviously, you're extremely. I had mentioned before you, you came on that. Uh, you're very active on social media. I know you, like I said, you write for KMLV. Um, you do a lot of Twitter, and I believe you, do you still do the Periscope stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing more of that even even as uh, kind of September gets going and, and we get into the thick of things. I'm planning to kind of ramp those back up a, a bit more than I've been doing them lately for sure. All right, well, go ahead then and tell our listeners uh, how they follow you, where they can catch up with everything that you're doing, and then I'll let you get out of here. Definitely. You can follow me on Twitter at bschafer12, B-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R-1-2. And uh, I'll tweet my links to articles, and you'll see my Periscope live videos there as well, just talking about the Cardinals. And always feel free to tweet at me, direct message me. I love talking to uh, all the fans. And uh, look out for my take on the Adam Wainwright situation coming to KMOB probably later this afternoon. Good stuff, my man. I appreciate it. And, again, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I hope you enjoy doing it as well. And uh, we're going to bring this to our Cardinal fans. And, and, like I said, hopefully they enjoy themselves. 
Absolutely, brother. It's been great talking to you. All right. That's Brendan Schaefer, uh, another of our contributors here on um, uh, bow ties and sweaters, where analytics meet the eye test, the, uh, the spinoff show from Two Birds on a Bat. Again, we hope you enjoyed the, uh, the inaugural edition of that today. I thought all three guys um, brought exactly what I wanted them to, a, a different look into our beloved Cardinals, really. I mean, we're all here because we love Cardinal fans. You're not listening to this show if you're not. Um, the truth of the matter is, though, is that I tried to assemble a group that I thought would bring something different and interesting to the show, and I thought today was a great example of that. All three guys, tremendous Cardinal fans w- with knowledge in a certain area that I think will make you think and make you see things in a different way, and that's what we tried to accomplish from this. And again, uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you share it around. I hope you listen. Don't forget that when you see our Facebook post, you simply go to Two Birds on type in Two Birds on on a Bat in your Facebook search bar. Uh, when you see the the pinned post go up with the, the latest show, share that on your personal page. And we are randomly selecting people that share our post and, you know, sending them a little thing from time to time. Sometimes we'll do a bigger, bigger prize and we'll take multiple people over the course of a couple of weeks who have shared it and throw them in a, in a, in a raffle. We're going to do some fun stuff with that. So I want to thank you for, uh, for, for turning into the first edition. I want to thank all of our partners. Couldn't do the show without them. Of course, Randy and Stephanie Green over at InnovativeCompanies.com. Forearms underneath that own uh, umbrella of, of construction, heating and cooling, electric, and now the plumbing team. 35 years experience, second-generation craftsman, and a man of his word. You just don't get that anymore, folks. InnovativeCompanies.com. We always come to you from the patio studios, the original party place for St. Louis Cardinals baseball. We will be there this Friday at 430 to 530. Come meet some of the great St. Louis influencers on social media that we're happy to be affiliated with. Um, you know, these guys are tremendous over at Cardinals 24-7, Cardinals Nation, Team of Rivals podcast. Uh, we've enjoyed it tremendously, being a part of it with them. And again, just great influencers when it comes to Cardinals baseball. We're excited about it. Um, don't forget, uh, you know, Arlington Greens, great course, located in Granite City. Hidden jewel over here. I'm telling you folks, nobody does it better than my man, Mark Marcuso. If you want to get a tournament set up so he can help you make some money, you better get a hold of him quick because they fill up fast. Adam Smokehouse, now with their new hours, open till 7, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Make sure you check them out. Adam Smokehouse, it's not just what's for lunch anymore, folks. Get in there and get it before it's gone. That's the whole thing. you got to get in there and get some stuff before they sell it out. Open till 7, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now. And again, Watson Road, my man Mike over at Adam Smokehouse. Missouri Gators baseball. I'm telling you guys, if you're, you're youngsters looking for something, looking for something different, looking for something better, they're doing it, folks. MissouriGators.com. Click on it. Learn more about them. Now home to the Illinois Gators and the Gators Baseball Academy, where they will be helping your prep baseball player find the next level, whatever that is. And don't forget that that's the key word. Whatever it is for them is what's right. Don't try to put yourself in a bubble. MissouriGators.com will help you realize what's right for you. They'll also do it while helping your player become a better person. That's what it should be about, and that's why we're happy to be affiliated with MissouriGators.com. Don't forget to find us on social media, at Birds on a Bat Show. Find us on Facebook, Two Birds on a Bat. Don't forget our Instagram account, Two Birds on a Bat Show. And, of course, you can always find us a part of lineupmedia.fm, the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet, but now home to Yo! Radio. Download it on your uh, mobile device today from the App Store. It's free. It's exactly what you would expect it to be, but I promise you it's going to be so much more very shortly. I'm looking forward to the things that we're going to do with all the great Cardinal podcasts out there soon. That's a little tease. So get out there and get Yo! Radio downloaded on your mobile device today. All the social media partners out there, thank you. Uh, Rally Squirrel, who's been with us since the beginning. Nate McHenry with RallySquirrel.com, the great Facebook page. 
Chris Lawless, Cardinals Nation, Cardinals 24-7, along with Ron and the team of rivals. Great stuff over there. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, Cardinal Freak always supported us. Mick Light, Art City Media, thank you for always sharing our stuff. Uh, fans of Yachty or Molina, that Facebook group's been amazing. St. Louis Cardinals crew, St. Louis Cardinals Nation, STL Cardinals. Guys, there's so many great Facebook groups out there. Cardinals fans versus the haters. Cardinals country. I'm telling you, baseball having great Facebook groups, and I'd love to have uh, an administrator from all of them on here to talk Cardinal baseball at some juncture. For everybody here at Bow Ties and Sweaters, where analytics meet the eye test, associated with two birds on a bat. Let's go, birds! This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.